And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey guys, it's the Civilized Barking Podcast. It's the Summer School Edition. Uh, We're coming to you just a couple of hours after the Browns officially wrapped up minicamp. It's Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd. Uh, there will be no Browns activity for five-ish, uh, going on six weeks ahead of the report date. There may be some contracts. There may be some stuff. But uh, we're going to start with what we saw in minicamp. And Jason, you and I were both out there for two days. It's very much a teaching camp, a jog through, um, some mildly competitive seven-on-seven sessions. But Kevin Stefanski was going to play it smart. So not a lot to see, but you see the players. You see the tempo of practice. You see the energy. The defense looks fast, right? You don't award any rings or any banners. But, like, considering we didn't have any of this last year, two things. One, the Browns are better for it, even doing a little bit. And, two, we actually have something to talk about. It gets you excited just just to see him go through those drills. Yeah, I've never been excited to see players run around in circles and, and hit sleds as much as, as I was the last couple of days, just to be outside again and in the sunshine and around colleagues again that I haven't seen in a year. And right. It just It was just it was good to be back on the fields. I was thinking while I was out there how long it had been since I'd been at the practice facility. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett looks great, obviously. Um it just, you know, to, to watch Odell six months, seven months out of surgery, watch what he's doing was remarkable. And, yeah, a lot of optimism around the camp, and deservedly so. Right. Um, you know, just in full disclosure, guys, and maybe that's not the right term because it's not like we're trying to hide anything from you. I mean, Miles Garrett is a, is a once-in-a-lifetime freak, and he's right in front of you. And, then you know, we you pair him with Clowney, which the Browns want to do, and you watch those guys go through the motions. So we're going to talk about that and talk about the excitement of that. But, frankly – um, the media restricted viewing area is right in front of where the defensive line does their individual drills. So it's not just that those guys are scary as hell and impressive as hell looking. It's just that they're right in front of us, right? That's what we had the, the best view of. 150 yards away. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what we had the best view of. We were watching them go through all their drills. Uh, and, and, and yeah, so you couldn't help but watch those guys. They're right in front of you. Yeah. Um, and as you look at the rest of the defensive line group, and, and to me it's a it's a fascinating group because there's a lot of uncertainty with three starters from last year gone and, you know, Clowney coming in, Tack McKinley, you know, not being a true defensive end, but being a guy that the Browns think can help them and, and uh, recharge his career. I mean, nobody's wearing pads for this camp, even if they were going at it. But, like, these are really large humans, and these are really accomplished football players in their own right over the course of 10 to 20 years. But when they stand next to Clowney and Garrett, they look like little dudes. <laughs> well, except for Andrew Billings, when you talk about big well, men. Yes. <laughs> as you pointed out, Zach, you know, 100% true. Oh, my God, is Andrew Billings fat? Like, I, I don't mean to be fat shaming people, and but 
boy, you you wonder how many plays he can go in a row at that size. You think he's got to be in better shape, and he's got six weeks to trim down a little bit and get in better shape. Uh, but yeah, you know, two things that you mentioned to me standing out there that you know, I once you said them, I was like, wow, you're right. Tech McKinley is small, and Andrew Billings is really big and not in a yes, good way. He is. Um, so when they lined up, Clowney was on the left, Garrett was on the right. Billings and Malik Jackson were, were your starting defensive tackles. Uh, that means standing behind them were, were Jordan Elliott, the second-year guy, and Togi had a fourth-round uh, rookie. Um, you know, Billings coming off the opt-out. Malik Jackson is 31. You know, Clowney, they gave a lot of money, not a ton of money to. They think he can wreck games. Um, they think they can move him around, you know, to an extent. I think he's going to be the starting left defensive end, but they can move him around in situations. Um, this is an intriguing group. They've added some veteran defensive tackles. They brought Malik McDowell, who's never played a game, you know, was in jail a year ago. He wasn't really active in camp, except I think he jogged through on the last day. Um, you know, it, it's it's a group that, because they have Garrett, has great potential. You know, the intent of building this group is to compliment Garrett and let him do the work. But to me, Jason, it's also a group that's one injury away from the first time you wonder, um, you really question Andrew Barry in the building of a position group. Yeah, you know, we talked about this, I think, on a previous podcast, and and I hope that defensive tackle isn't isn't the right guard of two years ago where it's that problem area all year long and, and you just – you know, is it is it a big enough hole to bring down the whole thing? I don't think that it is, but I think it's certainly right now the one position group that you would you would circle and, and question. And and again, you know, I said it before, Jadavian Clowney went from a a low risk, high reward. What do you got to lose? Signing that changed the day they released Sheldon Richardson to me. That it put a lot more on the on the Clowney signing, and 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 we'll see. You know, Sheldon's obviously gone. He's off to Minnesota. I think that was probably pride more than anything of if you cut me, why would I come back and take less? I'll just go elsewhere. So uh, I don't know. I, it's it's the one position group that I think brings the most concern to me as of now is, is are they strong enough up the middle of this defense? Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, you know, you don't, again, you don't draw any conclusions from, from mini camp, even if you think you did right uh, this should be a faster and better defense. Right away, the big expenditure, John Johnson, experience, savvy, playmaking, versatility. Uh, the next guy, Troy Hill, a corner, experience, playmaking, savvy, versatility, right? Um, Greedy Williams coming back. Grant Delpit coming back. Ronnie Harrison, you know, only made seven starts last year. Um, that's, that's an NFL quality player. You know, is he better than that? If he stays healthy, if he settles in, he might be. Um, they add Greg Newsom in the first round. They add JOK in the second round. They, they swap out Anthony Walker for BJ Goodson. They have Jacob Phillips, 22 years old, um, now with some experience. Really, only a full time player in a couple of games last year, but man, it's all there. Like on paper and just on viewing, the back seven of this defense is way better. So they have to do it. But, you know, to contain Lamar Jackson, to run with Mark Andrews, right? Um, to run with Travis Kelsey, and I, I said to some friends earlier this week that it was it had to be weird for with Travis Kelsey showing up at Jarvis's softball game because that's the closest any Browns player had ever been to him. Um, <laughs> you are you are more qualified and much better equipped, I guess, not qualified to be a better defense. And if Miles has that type of year, and, and even better because he was a non-factor mostly down the stretch, um, now you just you're faster, you match up better. And again, Jason, I, I think this at the risk of continuing this long ramble. You know, you would love to have an 
outstanding championship level defense. And we just saw Tampa win with one, right? But like the way the Browns are built, I just need a competent defense. I just need to be a little better in certain areas. If the Browns are going to be really good, the offense is going to push it. And if the defense can just protect leads and force more turnovers, this team has a chance to be really, really good. Yeah, and, you know, Joe Woods said today he's been on the hot seat for 30 years. I think he's just following up Stefanski's line from from yesterday on that same question of everybody's on the hot seat all the time. I, You know, I've said all along – it, it wasn't fair to to judge Joe Woods last year, depending on or just based on the the talent and lack of that he had to work with. You know, now I think we can get a, a really a much better idea of what kind of defensive coordinator he is, the schemes he wants to run. Now he's got the versatility and the talent to 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 really run anything he wants. Uh, and when you talk about elite defenses, really, how many are there in the NFL, Zach? Yeah. Like I, the the way the, you know, I mean, we talked about it a lot throughout last year. Holding calls are way down, and defensive pass interference calls are way up. The league is built for scoring. They want scoring. They they don't want defense. They want offense. And really, the way of the NFL anymore, to me, tell me if I'm wrong, is you're going to give up a ton of yards between the 20s, and the teams that win hold them to threes instead of six. And that's really all the Browns have to do. Yeah. Um, when did New England have an elite defense? When they also scored, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, when was Tampa's defense good enough to win the Super Bowl? When they also had Tom Brady. When they scored, yeah. Right? There's yeah, just no, not I, many. I, I mean, the Rams had a great defense thing. last year, right? Like, there are there were some. Yeah, there, well, there well, are look, a few good. The NFC representative in the Super Bowl two years in a row has had a top-level defense, a top three in the league defense, right? Yeah, um, yeah. For, 20, for the better part of 20 years, the Baltimore Ravens had an elite defense, right? Yep. The Steelers um, – have still have to me an elite defense. It's aging. It's in transition a little bit, but I mean, we heard just a week ago the general manager of the Cleveland Browns say the best defensive front in football is in Pittsburgh. Right? We have to contend with them, and that, that's what I've said all along. Like, you know, how will the Browns handle success and and having guys sign contracts and, and not sneaking up on anybody and playing road games and all in actual full stadiums and all this? We don't know. I do know if the Browns' offensive line is dominant again, the Browns will run up a lot of yards and a lot of points on a lot of people, right? And the pieces are in place. And just, you know, what they've done to Baker with the coaching changes and the system changes and, and all that has been malpractice. There's no other way to say it. So now he has the NFL coach of the year. He was a completely different guy in the second half of the season. Every single one of his receivers comes back. Every coach comes back. Right. Like they pick up. You don't ever just get better in the NFL because everybody's back. But like they are picking up at such an advanced level. And that's why I found it so comical and frustrating um, to hear people say the Browns need spring practice. Now, the Browns are having their meetings. The Browns are working out like this isn't two years ago where Baker showed up fat. Right. Like the Browns are doing their work and they're so far ahead of where they were a year ago. That like, let's not be silly. Let's trust Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the year, who said this week, Jason, over and over again, we didn't need this to be competitive. We needed to see some situations. We needed to do some base reinstalls on a couple of things. And we just need to keep tinkering and keep growing with what we already got because clearly what they already got is pretty darn good. I'm still back on what you said about every one of his receivers is back and and all the coaches are back and 
and I don't know the answer to this. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. When is the last time that happened in Cleveland? Was it the I'm I'm not even I'm not even being sarcastic. Was it the eighties? Well, like the last co- what, well, the only coach under Haslam to make it three years was Hugh Jackson, and he's like the biggest idiot there ever was. And after two <laughs> years, they forced an offensive coordinator on him, and those guys made it eight games together. They both got fired on the same Monday. Okay. Previous to that, the head coach was Mike Pettin. His offensive coordinator in year one was Kyle Shanahan. Then Kyle gave the uh, PowerPoint presentation and said, get me the hell out of here. And they let him leave. Right. So uh, even the coach before that, Chud, was one year. The coach before that, Pat Shermer, um, called his own plays, but he technically had an offensive coordinator in the second year. So you would have to go all the way back to Brian Dable with Eric Mangini in 2009 and 2010, with the exception of the two Hugh years where they never had the same quarterback. Um, The answer to same quarterback and same coordinator, you have to go back to the Tim Couch era. They've had the same. And the same players. Yes. Yes. The same targets. Yes. Um, That's why I'm saying, like, it might be the 80s. It it really might be. And even then, you didn't have the line in the supporting cast that, that you had now, right? And, you know, I'm not trying to say that, that Chubb and Hunt are better than Mack and Biner. I think everybody on the Browns has some proving to do. But, like, you know, the way the game has changed, those guys just complement each other so well. And when the pads come on, like, just let me say this. Because, again, there's not a whole lot to evaluate and talk about from minicamp. The Browns might lose to the Chiefs by a bunch in week one, and it won't really mean anything. It'll be fun to see football back, and, and they'll leave there knowing it probably runs through there. But they also might hand it to Nick Chubb 25 times and win the game, right? Like, they might. So um, there's just so much stinking talent, so much. And, um, you know, there are no givens. But, man, it's going to be fun. I want to – we talked about this briefly while we're staying on the practice field. Let's just mention it now when you talk about all the talent on this team. And Andrew Barry – you know, sat down on the Athletic Football Show podcast recently, and and we were laughing a little bit about how little he said, um, and you know, it's to be expected, whatever. But the, but the one thing that was a little not confusing, but I was just a little surprised that he, you know, when when um, when he was asked about spending sixty six percent of the cap on the offense, and Andrew was like, "Well, that's not really the best way to judge." And he just seemed a little bit defensive about the whole thing. And I thought, what is the matter with coming out and saying, hey, we've got a guy we think is a franchise quarterback. We're going to do everything we can to surround him with as much talent as weapons as possible. And I, I like the answer that you – do you remember what you told me on the field? I liked what you said. Um, This is pretty much what they inherited? Is that is – that- Yeah, yeah, that was it. And that like the two $15 million receivers were already here when they got here. Sure. Yeah, I mean, look, this was a pretty good offense – and it needed some offensive tackles. They spent a bunch of money on Conklin, and through one year, he's awesome, right? They spent a first-round pick on Jed Wills, and everybody's worried about him because he's 21 years old and never played left tackle. He did a pretty darn good job and should only get better, should only get bigger and stronger and more confident in what he's doing, right, with with his craft and everything. So, yeah, look, um, I'm not saying the honeymoon is is over or going to be over for Andrew Barry. He's been awesome. The, the toughest decisions, you know, lie ahead. And eventually there's going to be a miss. But, like, he's been phenomenal. And Stefanski's been phenomenal. And it's all set up there for Baker to be even better. The supporting cast to be even better. 
And if you're better on defense, right, and if you handle everything right, like this is a good team. Like these preseason power ratings, Jason, which mean nothing. But like when you see the Browns fifth and eighth and 11th, like that sounds right, right? Like the AFC championship game is a realistic goal for this team. That's the talent. So again, don't tell me about OTAs and don't tell me about all this other stuff. Did you acquire the talent? Well, the Browns already had a bunch of it. They got a bunch more on defense, and they kept everybody else together. A lot of those guys are 24, 25, 26. And the way they played in the second half of last year, there's a lot of reason to think there can be organic growth. Play a caller at a quarterback, quarterback to receivers, just everybody in general. I thought Nick Chubb didn't get the ball enough last year. No such thing as too much Chubb. No such thing as too much Chubb. Yeah, so again, you know, there is a happy medium between planning the parade and and having all these concerns. But like the positives way outweigh the negatives, right? The strengths way outweigh the holes and the questions. And the talent is good in some spots and potentially overwhelmingly good in a lot of yeah. spots. It really like even in the secondary, and those guys can go. And like I said, I love Troy Hill. He's going to be 30, and he's tiny. You know, I love the Greg Newsom pick. He's barely 21. He never played a full college season. And if you put him out there in week one through four, the ball is going to go his way every single time. So we'll see how he yep. handles that. But, like, if Delpit's playing, if Greedy's back, if Troy Hill and John Johnson are out there for 17 games or 15 games, same with Denzel Ward, like – it's not just a little bit better than last year, guys. It's a ton, ton better. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to, I want to circle back to something you said about Barry just now. But first, when, when we're talking about all the talent in the secondary now and all the different – the versatility of all the different backs, this is going to sound stupid, but I major in stupid questions – how many how many of those guys can they put on the field at once? Yeah, I mean, 
probably five and six in two ways. One in special situations, obviously third in a million or trying to match certain Chiefs lineups. That's um, where I was going with it. Can they? Yeah, place or it? two. JOK counting as a safety in a lot of situations. Okay. So, yeah, your base defense is going to be four down linemen, you know, with with Clowney and Garrett as movable parts. Two linebackers. So, you know, Walker, Phillips, JOK, the other guys, that, that's, that's interesting, and that's a lot deeper than last year. And then, you know, right now it's Ward, Troy Hill in the slot, whoever wins the other corner spot, and then it's – uh, John Johnson, who you paid a lot of money to, Ronnie Harrison, who's a contract year with Grant Delpit waiting. So Harrison, Delpit, JOK can all do a lot of the same things and line up in a lot of the same spots depending on who you're playing and what the situation is. But most of the time, five – I mean, a, a fair estimate right now in June would be two-thirds to 75% of the time you're going to play with five defensive backs. Yeah. So when we're talking about Barry and you say eventually he's going to have a miss – is Austin Hooper a miss? Well, right now the contract doesn't look good. Uh, I'm not going to say he's a miss because he dropped all those balls every time you looked out on the field. At, at <laughs> <laughs> what about um, the balls he dropped last year during the games? Yeah, he's just not fast. He's just not fast. Now, he's an important player. He's big. He's rugged. Um, Baker trusts him to be where he's supposed to be, and he blocks his ass off, and that's important to this offense. Is it – 11 million a year important, you know, I don't know. And part of the reason I think that they've said we're absolutely not moving on from Njoku is that Njoku can run. That's the one thing he can do. He can't catch, but he can run. So, you know, just in case they need to get in that stretch, stretching the field, the middle of the field, you know, I thought Harrison Bryant had a really good start to last year and then a really bad finish. He, he kind of had the drops. He's put the ball on the ground a couple of times. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a concern, you know, it's not ideal that as you enter a spot where the salary cap matters, that the wide receivers are your two biggest, but that's really only going to be for one year, your two biggest cap numbers. Right. Um, you know, this team might get away with cutting, cutting Sheldon, or they might miss him right away too. So like th- these are just things that we'll see as they go. I mean, what's the right answer on Nick Chubb? A lot of people say that a analytics driven front office will never pay him. I say, that's the first guy you got to pay. Because you run the risk of losing the locker room if you don't pay that guy. So, you know, all of these things are there's no precedent for it, and it's just you know for so many years, Jason, the Browns were so young and so in flux, and you were just looking for hope in that fourth round pick and seeing what could happen and can we build on it? And they never could. Well, the vibe of everything internally most is so different as soon as guys start getting their money because then everybody else wants their money too, right? And the first guy that's got his money that doesn't deliver, you know, that sticks out like a sore thumb. So I I, I just, I like Barry and and his approach. I think he's genuine in what he does and and the people he listens to and and his visions for building this long-term winner. And I think the alignment with Stefanski is great. And I think Stefanski's personality, um, his offense clearly fits the quarterback and the rest of the personnel his demeanor of we haven't done anything yet. Let's not celebrate too much fits this team. And we'll see. It's just, you know, they're the goal. I I guess what I'm trying to say is the goals, the big, big ones are realistic, but it's not like they're knocking right on the door, right? Like it's going to be a journey and there's things to answer 
and get through um, so they can get there. I, you know, obviously never in the new era of the Browns have you said they're knocking on the door because <laughs> they haven't. Been, right. 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 They were a Zoom call away. Right. Um, you know, they're knocking on the door. Things have to go their way as they do for a lot of teams. And we'll see. I, I mean, there's a 40% chance at most you ever beat Patrick Mahomes. And, and if you think that I'm being negative with that, that's just the reality. He's, he might be the greatest we've ever seen. And he's younger than your quarterback. And he's that's an even done. higher percentage. And that's a higher percentage than I would have put on it. Yeah. Quite frankly. Right. Like, so I'll, like I'll take 40. Shoot. Yeah. That's four out of 10. Right. And, and by ever, I mean one time. Right. So like, <laughs> that's not a negative. That, that just means like, you got to be really good and you got to be playing well at the right time. And, and I know I said this on the last podcast and we've talked about it. Like, not to say that the early games mean mean nothing, but the Browns don't play a division game until Halloween. And last year on Thanksgiving, if the season would have ended on Thanksgiving weekend, the Bucks would not have even have been in the playoffs. So, like, you know, just show me like last year. Show me that we have this talent and make the pieces fit and be peaking at the right time. And I do think the right leadership guys are in place to do that. Um so much X and an Owen and, and, you know, having to adjust and keeping your guys upright, you know, goes into that. But like the, the stride they hit late, late or early last December and carried it most of the way through, obviously the offense didn't get the job done in, in the last game. Um, if you score, if you score 30 points a game again, you're going to be right there. Yeah. You know, I don't want to spend a lot of time. We've, we've talked about extensions previously and we'll have plenty more time to do that maybe in the future. But I did want to mention the, the Chubb extension. You gave me a baseline when we were out of practice yesterday. What is that? What do you think the baseline is for, for a, a Nick Chubb extension? Well, it's, it's just never less than the previous guy got, right? And in this case, it's, it's the Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara extensions from a year ago that work out to – High 30s, low 40s in guaranteed money and, and basically 13, 14 million a year. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of the range that you're looking at. You know, to me, it comes first for the reason I mentioned before, that if you're going to preach smart, tough, accountable, you're going to extend Nick Chubb. But obviously, if you're extending a running back and you're worried about his shelf life, you do it, right? You don't make him play one week as the most underpaid player in football. You get it done this year. You send the message that comes with it. You tell him that you're counting on him and you let it ride. And then you know when it's going to expire too. So, you know, they have about 20 million cap room right now. When they sign the last two draft picks, they won't lose much from that. Um, obviously, you like to keep a little bit, A, because it rolls over year to year, but B, just in case something crazy would happen. And, and this team would be in position to maybe be looking to add a defensive piece at the trade deadline or something. But there is room, Jason, with, with the way they've structured these things and the way you do structure these things um, to get that done and to get Denzel's deal done. And so to me, that's what makes sense. Sign Ward, sign Chubb, wait on Baker, even though it's to me it's like a 95% done deal um, that it's going to happen. You know, let Teller be healthy for a year before you tackle that, another year before you tackle that one. Let him play great. And we'll see. Um because there are questions on that offensive line. Both Joel and JC are going to be 30 this year, right? They both make $10 million. Um, we're still two seasons away from the cap, really taking that big jump that's coming. So when the time comes, I trust that Barry's group will do the contracts in a very smart way that protects the team 
and allows them the proper amount of flexibility to continue to keep getting better. I just can't tell you exactly how and when because there's no no precedent here at all. Even like for the for this morning's article, I looked up when they signed Miles last year and it was mid-July. But I, I, I struggle to even call that precedent, Jason, for two reasons. One, signing Miles to that extension was a no-brainer. And two, what was normal about last year? Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and, let's touch – go ahead. Yeah, so I just want to say on that, like – Miles still had still has his fifth year option to to play. They they had activated that. Um, they did a true extension on that. They his initial and this this is really the answer to your question. Even though I spent four and a half minutes saying it otherwise, his twenty twenty <laughs> salary was not affected in his twenty twenty cap number by signing that. So now it's now it's on the books and now it comes. So they can't really do that with Chubb because he's only he's carrying such a small cap number. But Denzel and Baker are locked in for the next two years via that guaranteed fifth-year option. So they know what those are going to be. So unless they have some strategic reason, which, again, there's no precedent for that, these numbers are locked in, and they know what they have to spend from now until next year at this time, which is super important in how they plan these out and what they prioritize. So let's just let's touch on this this vaccination thing because it's all over the place right now. The, the protocols are out. The league is not requiring players to get vaccinated, but they're trying to make their lives as miserable as possible if they don't. Like, can we agree on that? Like, they're trying to, they're trying, to, they're trying to lock them down in every which way to where players say, screw it, I'll just get the vaccine if they're on the fence about it. Two teams right now have crossed the threshold, according to Albert Breer this morning, the Dolphins and the Saints. So the Browns are not at that 85% threshold. Kevin Stefanski said they are over 50%. So they're obviously somewhere between 50 and 85, and it sounds like there's optimism within the league that more teams will soon be at that 85%. How big of a deal is this, and how much should fans be paying attention to this as we get closer to the start of the season? Well, I mean, you said it, and I don't know if I wrote it verbatim, but it was pretty darn close. Um, they have made it to where your life is going to be miserable if you don't take the vaccine. Yep. You know, daily testing subject to fines for simply getting caught at a restaurant, uh, traveling on your own, not being able to leave the team hotel when you do travel, not being able to go in the cold tub with your, not even being able to go in the cafeteria with your teammates. So, And, and you know what, Zach, this may not be popular, but I'm kind of, I, I, I have an issue with some of the personal stuff that they've, like, like what you just talked about, like with your family and friends and that, I think they're getting a little heavy handed with this. If you want to keep them out of the cold tub or whatever, fine. But when it comes to like, their personal lives, I don't know, man. I I, th- I really think that they're really straddling an edge here, straddling a line that I'm kind of uncomfortable with where they're trying to go with. I, I, I can't say I disagree with you even 1% on that. However, the cold tub almost cost the Browns a playoffs last year. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, in the facility, you know, you can legislate whatever you want. Yeah, no, like, sure, sure. I guess, or but, whatever. But I guess that – I guess what I would say is that's down the line, like – Basically, it's a competitive advantage to do it, and it's a life advantage to do it. If your life is going to be an NFL player from July 27th until hopefully late January, which everybody's thinking, right? So I, I know this this gets everybody in a tizzy each way, and I, you know, don't even look on Twitter or the comments or, or anything. Um, the NFL and NFLPA agreed on these rules, and they don't want the season to be the shit show that last year was. 
Yeah. And Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and all involved don't want it to be. They want guys to show up for work and be in the 750 special teams meeting, not be in the parking lot getting tested at 730 and driving home to wait for Zoom to start. Right? Right. Like, they want to go about their business. When they show up, like the old Browns showed up for a Saturday road trip and weren't sure where Josh Gordon was. Right? The new Browns <laughs> want to show up for a Saturday road trip and know that 53 healthy guys are getting on that plane to go wherever it is that they're going that weekend. Right? And so, you know, the, I said it last week or two weeks ago when the John Round thing happened down in Columbus and now it was Chris Paul this week. And frankly, because it happened during minicamp, Jason, I don't know any details on that situation. I've only seen headlines. But as soon as the John Rahm thing happened, I just said to who I was with, like, this is going to happen in the NFL. And so it seems a little heavy-handed, but for an NFL season to go on and for the Cleveland Browns to go have the season that everybody listening to this wants them to have, it's not worth arguing about. Get the shot and get it done, and business can proceed. They, I mean, they're not going back on – this is months and months of negotiation and setting things up, right? They're not going back on it. And guys have now six weeks, plenty of time to do it or else it gets really ugly. And, again, like, you know, I, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 wins. Can they get 13 or 14? I mean, this is a good roster. I, I, I don't know. There's very few things that could convince me that this thing goes totally off the tracks. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, um, again, it, and that's why I even said like, say some, say they would get hit hard by the injury bug, and guys would drop passes, and penalty flags would happen, and they would have a like a two and six start. Like, why am I talking about the steel? Because they still have time, you know. Like, they're good when they find their groove again. They're really good. So, it's a lot, but it's going to be like these rules are not going the way I. Going away is the, the way I guess I would say it. And um, it's get on board and take the advantage rather than try to fight it and, and worry about putting your team at risk. Yeah. And, I mean, you brought up a good point. It was it was negotiated by the Player Association. They did sign off on it. I, I just feel like some of the with the private time stipulations, they're really, they're really going too far with some of this stuff. But, hey, listen, I took the vaccine. You took the vaccine. We're not, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to stand here and be an anti-vaxxer. I just think people are entitled to their personal lives too. But you, you bring up a good point that it's negotiated by the NFLPA. So obviously whether the players like it or not, man, this is, this is their reality. This is their life. And we'll wait and see if, if the Browns cross that 85% threshold by the start of training camp. I, I guess that's what I'll be more curious about is how many teams, by the end of July, start of August, are across that 85%. Yeah, uh, I mean, the way I read these regulations and the way I think about it, I think 85% of the teams are going to be over it because you're such a disadvantage if you don't. I mean, guys' yeah. days will be miserable if they can't. Yeah. They, they yeah. really will be. And, and teams – I mean, the Browns handled everything great last year, and that gives you, I think, justified, justifiably so – such hope that they will handle the little stupid things that come up in a normal season, right? Um, but, like, you want to show up and have walkthrough and meetings in person, right? Like, you want your quarterback to sit in the cafeteria with his running back and his left tackle and his wide receiver. And, you know, they don't need to be talking football 24 hours a day, but, like, they need to bond and be on the same page and talk about, like, hey, what did we miss last week? 
or how do we block this up, right? Like there was so much, such lack of interaction and lack of everything. And it turned out to suck for you, the fans, to not be there and not the city not feel this, right? But like, I just think everybody involved in these buildings can benefit from a normal routine. And when you're trying, when you know you have the players and you're trying to hit that chemistry and hit that groove and get good and kind of take off on the upward slope, I think being in person all the time and not spending your days going through testing and waiting on all calls for who, who, close contact and who's not like that can only help you because that that's time wasted is all that it was as i i should probably know the answer to this but i haven't looked it up is it safe to assume the browns are gonna be at 100 percent capacity by fall i mean the indians already are i would imagine yeah the the, that, that's be. the plan um the, the plan is training camp will be open but there's going to be some regulations that are probably going to eliminate autographs and keep people at a distance you know so so some crowd regulations probably not the four thousand or so that they could usually get in there um the stadium, you know, maybe some first row stuff might have to be eliminated, but the stadium, full capacity, full go. So one home preseason game, um, and then week two they play the Texans. It should be nothing but a homecoming game for the Browns. I mean, that place is going to be absolutely rocking, yes. I think I'm most looking forward to that. I felt so bad for the fans last year that missed out on what should have – I mean, this town would have been crazy. Uh, really felt bad that, that – they weren't able to to really take part in that. I think more than anything, these fans have been waiting so long for this. They deserve it. I, I think I'm even beyond the talent on the field. I think I'm most excited just just for the fans to be part of this. Yeah, no doubt. Like, you know, people are are gaga and they should be. And and like, you know, a lot of things happened in 2019, guys. Do I think overconfidence was a small part of it? Yes, but you know, th- this is a good group. Of, of guys they believe in top down. They're just adults are running the show. I've said it a hundred times, right? There's adults on the team. And, you know, I think with Stefanski kind of setting that tone, um, they're going to do their damnedest to avoid the the too high, too low, which is just, just the nature of the week to week NFL. And I, and I think, you know, health permitting and the offense plan, like even near its capabilities, like, they're going to rev up, and, and th- that stadium is going to shake on Sunday afternoons. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. So um, this is the end of minicamp. Um, again, this goes to the dead time. I have some vacation time. Jason has some vacation time. We will have one or two podcasts. I got a guest I've been working on. Uh, we'll do some positional breakdown stuff. So make sure you guys do the whole click, subscribe, review, share thing. Um, with that, and then, you know, today is what, June 17th. So yeah, a little short of six weeks, uh, is the date. And it, as Jason just mentioned there, you know, barring that final last approval from the NFL and everybody involved, it's all set for full go, normal camps, full go, normal stadiums, uh, all of that stuff. So, uh, we know the excitement. We're going to do our best to, to write about it and talk about it. Subscribe to the athletics, subscribe to the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the ride. Deep breath, though. The Browns don't play till September. Talk to you soon.